0: I can like still skin you with my eyes, Chee, chee, <laughs> He was touching you all over, putting his hands on your bare legs. You're not a young girl anymore. And you showing the world your scar Hi rubber. puttar, now that your sister has got engaged, it's different. You know how people talk. She's the one getting married, not me. I was married at your age. You don't even want to learn how to cook dal. Anyway, I'm not playing with boys anymore. Good, end he, of matter. He, he. I'm joining a girls team. Huh? They want me to play in proper matches. The coach said I could go far. Go far? Go far to where? Just see, we let you play all you wanted when you were young, huh? You've played enough. That's not fair. He selected me. He? She said it was girls. The coach, Joe. See how she lies? I don't want you running around half naked in front of men, huh? Look how dark you've become, playing in the sun. But, Mom, I'm really good. What family will want a daughter-in-law who can run around kicking football all day but can't make round chapatis? Now exams are over, I want you to learn full Punjabi dinner, meat and vegetarian. But Dad! Dad the Chachi! No, this is where you spoil her. No, this is how it started with your niece. The way that girl would answer back and then running off to become a model wearing small, small skirts. Mom, she's a fashion designer. She's divorced, that's what she is cast off after three years of being married to a white boy with blue hair. I, her poor mother, she hasn't been able to set foot in that temple since. I don't want this shame on my family. That's it. No more football. Just see your mother is right. It's not nice. You must start behaving like a proper woman, okay?
1: Okay, thanks, Rachel. That uh, movie is, uh, the title is It Like Beckham. If you don't know that movie, it's It Like Beckham. Beckham, David Beckham, if you're a soccer fan, you know who he is. I Forget it, I'm not gonna say anymore. Um, I'll, t- I'll explain why uh, in a moment, why I showed that uh, video. But first, I entitled this uh, sermon, The Good People We Hate. Why? Well, just take a moment. And maybe just, uh, you know, get lost in your thoughts a little bit and just picture the people that you don't like. You know? Okay, 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 okay. Uh, no in-laws, okay? Just... <laughs> that, gone. <laughs> All right? But, you know, the people that you don't like. Now, what are those type of people? Well, how about when you were coming to church? Were you? Were any of you got cut off? Taxi drivers. Okay, there you go. You see? Like, uh, outspoken, like, uh, this is a safe space. <laughs> All right? Um, How about like uh, selfish people? You don't like selfish people, right? How about people who cut you off? How about the incompetent people? Especially those incompetent co-workers who seem to know nothing about what they do, but seem to know how to schmooze. You know, seem to know how to talk their way up. And then, when it comes to promotion time, they get the promotion and the raise, and you didn't. But in fact, you did all the work, right? (laughs) So anyway. As you can tell, that happened to me. Anyway, um, how about complacent and lazy people? Or people who are just notoriously late on everything. You know, they sometimes change their commitments. They say, yeah, John, let's book it on our calendar. We have it. And suddenly, last minute, they cancel. And you go, oh right? And uh, how about this, then? So you got the picture of the people that you don't like. So here's the question. Can you share your salvation with those people? The gospel, the salvation that you have, the life-giving message, and the eternal life that you have in Jesus, would you like to share that same space, that condo, with that guy, with that person? Hey, because you know, there's a lot of many rooms, but you know what, chances are God has a sense of humor and he will place those people in your condo. Would you like to share your salvation with that person? Now let's get, go even further. Now you know what, lately, uh, especially one particular politician who we will not name, who is a federal leader who will not name, whose uh, party is named, color is blue, right? <laughs> <laughs> who will not name, recently resigned. Because a lot of people, uh, a lot the public scrutinized him for his beliefs, his moral beliefs. Have you been scrutinized by your moral beliefs? That, what? You're a Christian? This means you're lame. You don't party enough. You're boring. Or, what? You're Christian? That's dumb and stupid and delusional. How can you believe a God like that? It's like, there's no physical or scientific evidence for it. Have you ever been told that? Have you ever been told that that being a Christian is just, OK, great, but really, you're just labeling yourself as a bigot? And then, of course, you see other bad people going, well, if you're calling me a bigot, you're a bigger bigot. And then the, the, the other bigot go, if you're a bigot, then you're a bigger, bigger, bigger bigot, and you're a maggot, right? type of thing. And so then you go, OK, can you share salvation with these people? Can you share salvation with the people that ridicule you, scrutinize you? always put you under the thumb, always examining your actions because, hey, you claim you're a Christian. And then, but then they also say you're hostile, you're violent, you're inciting violence, you're hate speech, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I'm getting at. Will we be able to share our salvation with these people? See, here's what I'm getting at. We're going into a chapter where there's this very, very popular par- parable called the Good Samaritan. And, and uh, you know what, a lot of people, not even church people, a lot of people use it, right, for their business talks. Heck, I even uh, found a TED talk who literally read the whole thing and said that it was his. I'm like, yeah, right? <laughs> so we're going into that. So, but then we also go into the, the chapter where it includes uh, a very busy Martha sister and a very lazy Mary. Who apparently, lazy Mary is more Christian than busy Martha. Is that what it's all about? Why are these two stories in the same chapter then? Why are these two stories clumped together in the same chapter all in one breath and why did Luke put them together? And that's what we're going into today, this morning. Well, let's go into it then. First of all, some background. We have a brief history of Samaritans and Jews. Now you got to remember that Samaritans and Jews are Jews. Samaritans are Jews too. They were the ancestors of the, Joseph's two sons. Now if you don't really know the history, just go back to, uh, you got to read a little bit uh, back to uh, the, right after the kings, where they, the, Israel was split into two because of conflict. So they had two kings, two kingdoms, one in the north, one in the south. The north called northern Israel, the south called Judah. Right now, Judah supposedly had really good kings, but really they weren't. They just had a little bit of a flaky history. But Israel, uh, over at Samaria, over at northern Israel, they just had a history of bad kings. And so down the road in history, they were the first people to get conquered by the foreigners, by the by the barbarians, by the Babylonians, by the Persians, etc. And so they got conquered, right? And then Judah, looking at their cousins over at the other side of the border, go, hey, you know, like, uh, you know why you guys got conquered? Because you're not being true Jews. You're not the true Jews. We are the true Jews. We're the ones from Judea, right? We're from the line of David. You guys from the line of that little boy with the cloak, right? It's like, so they're saying that we're the true Jews, you're not. Hence, that's why you guys got conquered. And that lasted for many, many years. So remember that time between the Old Testament and the New? We had how many years? Approximately 400, right? 400 plus years. From the the Old Testament to the New. And that bickering kept on going. Because what happened? Well Judea fell to the foreigners again. And then everybody was wondering, okay. Clearly God is absent now, right? We're under Roman rule. And clearly, God is not talking to us because we're still under on, on Roman rule. We've been pleading to Him, God hasn't come to save us. Why? And like I said from the previous weeks, everybody tried everything, right? So then we ha- and then small groups uh, sp- start to sprout. Uh, you got the Pharisees who thought, no, we've got the right system, practice our system, and God will come back. For us. We're the true Jews. And then you got the Essenes. Uh, Apparently, historically, that's where John the Baptist came from. So it goes, okay, the Essenes go, no, we got a system. And we got a system that God will come, and we're the chosen ones. We're the true Jews. And guess who else? The Samaritans. The Samaritans say, we are the true Jews. We got the right mountain to worship. And we are going to have God to come to us, and we're the chosen ones. And then, of course, you got the true, true Jews called the Judeans. Who reside in Judah and the other provinces of Jerusalem, and they say we are from the line of David. Sorry, dudes, we got it already. We got the B train over to the A train. You know, like we got it, right? And then they have their own system, and then hence we have this conflict between the Samaritans and the Jews. You guys follow? And so when when we sort of have this story about the, uh, the of uh, Jesus trying going through Samaria, you then wonder, if you recall the story with the Samaritan woman, like the disciples go, why are you going through here? This is in Samaritan land. We're not supposed to be here. Let's take the longer route. Now you know why. Jews don't want to associate with Samaritans. Samaritans don't want to associate with Jews. They hate each other, Okay. All right, that's the context. Hopefully I gave you the Cripp's notes of a very, very big commentary for you. Look at that. I love you that much. And Let's move on. So, here's an example of the animosity, just to, just to give you a review. Last week, we went to chapter nine, right? So this is how much the Jews hated the Samaritans. Let me read. Recall this, if you have your Bibles, you can quickly turn to it. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. So he's not supposed to go through Samaria, right? But he resolutely went there. Hmm. Verse 53. But the people there did not welcome him. Well, no duh. Well, because it's Samaria, right? The Samaritans didn't like Jews. So what did they do? When the disciples, James and John, saw this, saw this hostility, they asked, quote, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Right? And then verse 55 goes, but Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. Now you know why the disciples wanted to call lightning and blast them all, right? It's because they didn't like them, nor did the Samaritans like them. All right, so we got that down. We got the context now. So now we're into chapter 10. Okay, for those who, are, who have your Bibles, please turn with me, turn with me to chapter 10. And let's uh, begin with verse 25, because we already covered the previous verses last week. Verse 25. Follow me as I read. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is it written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? Jesus, uh, and, he, and then the lawmakers answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus answered, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Okay. I'm going to date myself. Janice, spare me. Be merciful. Okay. All right. Pop quiz, hotshot. You know that movie? Where, where's that movie? From? Okay, Speed. Speed. Thank you. Oh, okay, good. All right. Pop quiz, hot shot. Here's the most common question on everyone's minds. Jesus, you're such a hot shot. You know it all. All right. And you and you probably know this. What's the greatest commandment in all of the Bible? And then uh, Jesus asked, "Well, you answer it to me." Okay. Why did this lawmaker ask this question? The greatest commandment. It's because the greatest commandment is only known by Jews, the true Jews, right? Correct? Where did Jesus just came out of? Samaria. So then the lawmaker goes, hmm, that guy just came back from, came right through Samaria. Is he really a true Jew? Like, true Jews don't go through enemy territory and associate with him, right? See, I had this question once before. i like to share with you this story as well. Because I have experiences uh, even till now. As you recall, like um, I get asked a lot of things and uh, it is not and I kind of know their intention, uh, especially in certain Christian circles. They ask me this like, oh so John, uh, what's your stance on abortion? Or what's your stance on uh, same-sex marriage, LGBTQ? What's your stance on soji pipeline? It's like <laughs> I don't know. What's your stance on marijuana? What just stance on Hong Kong? And you know what? It's not like they want my answer, well-researched thought answer. They just want to know one thing and one thing only. Are you with us or are you against us? Correct? Pretty much. Like uh, we live in a time where it's so divisive that really any question that comes at us is pretty much the intent is, are you with us or against us? And you know what? <sighs> History repeats itself because that's what the lawmaker is doing right here. Teacher, I see you just went through Samaria. Oh, and I just saw you associating with a Samaritan woman at the well. Same place, okay? Folks, it's just in a different gospel, but same area. Are you really a true Jew? So, what did he do? Puck with his hotshot. So, what's the greatest commandment? Huh? Right? And then he answered, and Jesus says, Yes, great. That's exactly the, the commandment. But then he also goes on to further and says, oh yeah, so who is my neighbor? Right? Hmm, why did he ask that? Why did he ask the, the, about who is my neighbor? Well, if you can, if it's possible to bookmark that, uh, the, our current passage and blast back to Leviticus, turn with me to Levit- Leviticus chapter 19 because that's where that greatest commandment is found about the neighbor. So verse chapter 19, verse 17 to 18. It goes, do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor, frankly, so you will not share in the guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's where he got it from. But then what's the key phrase for the lawmaker? What does he really focus on in this commandment? Fellow. Israelite, You see it? Basically, uh, he's asking Jesus, who is my fellow Israelite? Who, Jesus, is the chosen people of God, the true chosen people of God, my true neighbor? You guys follow? The lawmaker knows his Bible really well, and the lawmaker knows that his main focus, especially when Jesus is coming from Samaria, he goes, wait a minute, dude. Stop right here right? Are you my neighbor? Are you a fellow Israelite? Are you a chosen one of God? Are you a child of God? The true children of God? Because if you're not a true Jew, it doesn't seem like it because you just associate with them. You guys follow? All right. So then Jesus does something really interesting. In that context now, in this stage that the lawmaker has now created, what does he do? He tells a parable, and what is entitled "The Good Samaritan." Now, if you were a Jew and you read this title, what would you say? Huh? <laughs> right? Good? What? you <laughs> all right. It's like you know, it's like oh, sorry, that was Cantonese. Like uh, some of you are Mandarin, so I I I don't know what's that in Mandarin. What is that like? Like I don't know. So you know, like just go. Are you kidding? What a bunch of BS. Right? It's like saying my good gossipy aunt or like my good bad boss, right? Or my good, it's like an oxymoron right Right there. A good Samaritan, like Microsoft works. It's this oxymoron, right? Yeah, sorry, Vivian. <laughs> anyway, so it's just that. It's just how can anyone say good and Samaritan at the same time? But Jesus goes and says, and he starts off with this parable. And so let's go into it, shall we? So when the, uh, the lawmaker says, okay, Who is my neighbor then? Who is the chosen one of God? Who is the true Israel? Who is the true Jew? Right? What does Jesus say in response? Verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Now, first thing, a man coming, uh, going down from Jerusalem. Who do you think he is? Samaritan or Jew? Jew? Jew. Okay. So, They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Okay, just remember that, half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, Jew and Jew. When he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Quote, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise, go and do likewise. Jesus says. Okay, so we already uh, know that this man coming from Jerusalem is a Jew, from Judah, right? From those regions, the true Jew. Which means this guy is basically going into, it's still in his territory. From Judah to Jerusalem, that's in his territory. Who's not supposed to be there? The Samaritan, all right? Now, this guy gets beaten up to a bloody pulp, right? And he is half dead. So he's unconscious, he looks dead. He smells dead, so if he smells dead and looks dead and sounds dead, he gotta be dead. But he's not, he's half dead, right? But then to the priest and the Levite, they go, hmm, I'm not gonna take that chance because under the Levitical law, you can't touch dead things. And he is indeed dead, and if I touch it, I'll be unclean because I wanna maintain my true Judaism. You got it? I gotta be true to my, uh, my beliefs, right? So they didn't touch him. Because he was kind of, looks like he's dead. So if I touch him, I will get dirty. I will be sin. I will be called a sinner. And then I won't have my spot in heaven, that type of thing. That's what they've been thinking about. But then a Samaritan came, the one that Jews detest. He came and took mercy on him. And what did he do? Well, he picked him up, shoved him into his Mercedes AMG. Where's Brian? Come on man. I should get Pat on the back on that one. Like you shoved him on the shoved him in the Mercedes, drove to a Hilton, right? And then the, and it said, you know what? I'll even pay for his bar fridge. So he could take whatever he wants in the bar and I'll pay for it, right? Okay, wait a minute. This Samaritan knows quite well that the guy here, if he was healthy, he would have thrown a lot of bad words at him shown a lot of hostility towards him. They, he would have shunned him, called him names. Heck, he wouldn't even been violent against him. This Jew would have done nothing for this guy. He would have just kept on railing at him, saying that you're a sinner. You should not be not touching me. You shouldn't even be here. How dare you to be in, the, in Judah, of all places, right? But this Samaritan, knowing full well that if this guy was healthy, probably the guy, same guy probably insult him and cut him off on the street last week, It's here, he decides to give mercy on him, to show mercy on him. That's something to think about. That is something to think about. And the point that I want to make is this. The question was, who is a child of God? Who is the child of God? Jesus said, the child of God is the one you show mercy to and the one that you receive mercy from. Are you able to receive and show mercy to those who you dislike? The grace and mercy, because a child of God is the one who shows grace and mercy to one, and the one who is able to receive grace and mercy from another, it's both. And that's the point that I would like to make. Because the key question was, who is my neighbor? But not really, it's actually, who is the true children of God? In, well, the point is, the invitation is open to everyone. Even those people you don't like. Those are your, our neighbors. The neighbors are those who we show grace and mercy to, and also to receive grace and mercy from. Because I still recall, there was one time, uh, uh, as uh, um, our, my small group, anyway, you might know, that we invited Morgaine Auger. And Morgaine Auger is a, uh, uh, is a trans, and uh, she was invited by us to come and speak to us and uh, uh, tell us about, you know, her hardships and to explain to us what is really a trans life, like what made her decision and why do you want to do this and et cetera, because knowing full well that there's going to be a, <laughs> a lot of friction, right? Now, interesting enough is that uh, when I did that, um, you don't know this, but, uh, because, uh, but some of you did, because as I shared, I received a lot of emails from people, now, from various uh, Christian organizations, even churches, saying like, how dare you? Like, like uh, why are you associating with them? Why are you uh, doing this? And da 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 da, da. My response was one of the, to one of the pastors, especially to one of my friends. I said this, you know from Morgane, if my daughter needed a kidney or a blood or anything of a life, I know for sure that she will help. She'll help. I know that for sure that she'll help uh, like help me if I was in trouble. I know that for, for sure that, that, that because she's, she will. And if I can't do the same for her, and, e- and and in light of me having this life-giving message, the eternal life, that being called the child of God, and if I can't even fathom to give that to her, when am I then, really? You see what I mean? Re- being able to receive and being able to give as well the invitation is open, Jesus says. The invitation is open to all to be called child of God. We're not to be here to hinder that or block it. Okay, hey, let's move on. Now here comes the sisters, right? Why is this passage here? Well, let's go on and take a look. If you have your Bibles, let's move on to verse 38. Verse 38. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Come on, man. That was the best acting I ever did. Like... All right. What is Martha trying to say? Well, true Jews, true ethnic Jews, true children of God, in her mind, are those who fulfill their roles. Seriously. Uh, if you don't know this, like, a, it, it, like for the Jews back then, to be called children of God is also an ethnic thing, a cultural thing. And so it, what Martha is saying here is, Jesus, sorry, forgive my sister. She doesn't know what she's doing. She shouldn't be taking a role of a man. She shouldn't be taking a role of a man. She should, she, I'm so sorry. She's young, she's a teenager, she should be back in the kitchen, fulfilling her role. Please show mercy on her. That's what Martha's trying to say. Because the only people, the only gender that's able to be a disciple, to learn from a master, are who? Men, back in the day. The only people that will sit by the rabbi's side and sit on their feet and listen are the men. And for the Jew, for to be a true Jew, you gotta fulfill your role. You gotta obey these commands. And Mary is completely disobeying them right now. And Martha, she really loves her sister. Okay, don't get her, don't get her wrong. Don't mistake in this as, as like she doesn't like her love her sister. She really loves her sister, and she knows who Jesus is. We know that down the line in the in the further in the gospel that she does. Martha just really goes and says, pleading to Jesus and saying. Forgive my sister. She doesn't know what she's doing. She has to go back to the kitchen. Tell her to go back to the kitchen, right? And just so that she can fulfill her role. You guys follow? And so, what does Jesus say? Martha, you're worried about the wrong things. That is not how the kingdom of God works. Kingdom of God has nothing to do with fulfilling your roles. Kingdom of God has nothing to do with you trying to fulfill your parents' roles that they have given you. You know that whole... Good daughter thing, the good son thing that they define you as, that ain't gonna get you to heaven. That's not part of it. That's, that has nothing to do with it, of being a child of God. If anyone says to you that because you say you disagree with your parents that you're a sinner, they're completely wrong. They're worried about the wrong things. That's what Jesus is saying. They're, they're worried about the wrong things. Has nothing Being a child of God, this invitation has nothing to do with you fulfilling a particular role. It is all about what? Receiving grace and mercy from God and being able to give grace and mercy to others. That's what is important. That's who the, the invitation is open to. That's how we receive the invitation. And so, why I say that? It's because with all that we've gone through, the whole context and everything, the stories from the Good Samaritan. I hope you understand now how to read this Mary and Martha thing, the story of Mary and Martha. Everybody wanted to fulfill this role, this uh, preconceived role of what they believed in. They were so worried to fulfill all those things. They were so worried about ethnic cleansing and the right way to worship, the right thing to do, the right thing to do, the right role to play to be the best daughter that they can be, the best son that they can be, that they forgot that really, truly, being a disciple of Jesus, to really accept that invitation is to actually receive the grace and mercy that he has offered for all of us and to be able to give that grace and mercy to other people. Amen. So to conclude, surely it is hard when we uh, think about and open it and just think about the people that we don't like. Can I, and in that question, can I share that, Salvation to them. Well, may I remind you of my friend. If they, if there are people out there that are willing to give their lives to us, sacrifice themselves, to give their all to us, even without that life-giving message, how much more are we with the life-giving message we have, the eternal life that we have, the grace and mercy that we receive from God that we have to give to them? The invitation is open for everyone. Regardless whether we like them or don't, whether they fulfill what we expect or don't, the invitation is for everyone. And that is the amazing good news that we celebrate during this season.